We often talk about Dad and, the, and his thinking, and I think he's probably, we think he's probably getting a bit worse the last couple of months mm. than he was, but then I say only more in, in memory. That's Alex's dad, Keith, who's talking about how his dad is experiencing age-related cognitive decline. Alex's grandpa recently turned 100. In this episode of Blab Coats, we ask what happens to our brain as we age and what can we do to slow down the aging process when it comes to our brain? Keith is in his 60s. That's not very uncommon in Australia. In fact, one in seven people you know are over the age of 65. And by 2050, that number is estimated to be one in five people. It seems that evolution only wants to keep us around long enough to make babies. After that, it just goes downhill. I can tell him, explain it, and then I might get home and an hour later he'll ring me up and he'll say, I've been thinking about that, what about this? And I'll say, that's what I told you when I was there an hour ago, remember I explained that. So I think it's more the memory thing he's losing. Um, Probably that short-term memory thing he's losing. He remembers all the things he did a few months ago or years ago. Yeah, yeah. So he's still got that ability, but I think we think his memory's going a lot more over the last couple of months particularly. So I spoke with Genevieve Steiner to understand how this happens. So my name is Dr. Genevieve Steiner and I'm a senior research fellow at Campbelltown campus at Western Sydney University and I'm based in the Nickham Health Research Institute. She explained that as we get older we have these senior moments. Where we go where are our keys or you know I can't remember where I put my glasses or I can't remember where I put the glasses that I used to actually find all my pairs of glasses with. And the thing is, though, these things actually get more and more frequent as we age. And it's because we have these normal age-related changes in our memory and thinking. What's interesting is that not everything goes downhill. Some aspects of cognition actually go uphill. So the way that cognition is sometimes thought of is in two categories, fluid intelligence and crystallized intelligence. Fluid intelligence is the ability to think flexibly. That's abilities like our working memory, so being able to hold information online and manipulate it. Like when someone says to you, you know, I'm going to give you a $20 note to buy a a coffee that costs $3.80 and you've got to remember in your head, okay, $3.80, right, I should be getting back $16.20 change and being able to manipulate information like that. This ability apparently starts to decline as early as in our 20s. The second category is called crystallized intelligence. This is stuff like, I guess, what you'd refer to as wisdom. Some of the things that we've got in long-term memory, being able to think about um, things like our vocabulary, it increases over time and it, get, it gets better as we get older. Um, so it's the more static parts of long-term memory that tend to increase and improve with age. And it's more that they're also less resilient to brain aging. 
I asked Genevieve why fluid intelligence was more prone to decline than crystallized intelligence. She said that researchers think it's because many of the processes involving fluid intelligence are isolated to specific regions of the brain. A lot of them are isolated to the frontal parts of our brain. So the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, for instance, is a part of the brain um, at the very front of the head that is um, it's very susceptible to age-related decline compared to other, other structures in the brain. So the truth is that no one's going to be able to escape age-related cognitive decline. Not yet, at least. Age-related cognitive decline is interesting because, you know, it's something that's going to affect everybody. But what doesn't affect everybody is dementia. And obviously, um, you know, we hear a lot about dementia in the news. There's every second week you're hearing about a new cure, a new treatment that's come up. But look, to be honest with you, working in the field, we are a long way off curing um, and having, a, having a, a treatment for many of the common types of dementia, such as Alzheimer's disease. So when we think about things that we can do to improve our memory and thinking as we age, we're also thinking about things that we can do to reduce our risk of dementia and of future cognitive decline. So the two things are kind of interwoven in a way. We've got prevention-based methods, but we've also got these ameliorative sort of treatment strategies that you can do as you're starting to age and, and seeing, seeing changes in your memory and thinking. So she told me that there are things that we can't change, which are called non-modifiable risk factors. That contributes to something like 60 or so percent of our risk for future dementia. These include your age and genetics, but we also have things that we can change, and these are called modifiable risk factors. But the cool thing is we've got about 30 to 40, and in Australia we actually think there might be up to 50% because our <laughs> lifestyles are so poor in some ways that we might be able to reduce our risk. So these are things like our, um, our weight, so our obesity during midlife and having high blood pressure in midlife are very strong predictors of getting dementia later on. And having diabetes in late life is also a very strong predictor of, of getting dementia. And what is fun, funny as well, which you might not expect, is things such as even hearing loss in our midlife can contribute to getting dementia later on. curious, Genevieve, what the research says about some approaches we can take to reduce our risk of getting dementia. Whilst you've got individual therapies that are quite interesting, the ones that seem to have the best bang for the buck, or for your buck, are the ones that are combining lots of different techniques together. So there was a very, very um, famous study. So there is this famous Finnish trial which used a multimodal approach for an intervention strategy. So that means that they try to improve the diet of their participants, the physical activity, they gave them cognitive training. Which is uh, basically getting people to sit in front of a computer and play computer type games that improve specific aspects of your memory and thinking, like executive function, working memory, etc. As well as monitor their vascular risk. If you've got a healthy heart, you've got a healthy brain. 
This was a study that was performed on people who had an increased risk of dementia. So they don't have dementia yet, but they do have some age-related cognitive decline. And after two years, they saw an improvement in those people's memory and, memory and thinking, specifically in their executive function, which is, that's the part of our memory and thinking that's probably the most um, affected by age or the least resilient to age-related changes in the brain. This is really promising because this landmark study showed for the first time that if you combine these different strategies, that's where you get the most benefit. So there's been a whole raft of new studies that are coming out now that are trying to work out what's the, uh, what ingredients do you need to make the best cake? So, you know, how much physical activity, how much, um, how much exercise, or how much, sorry, um, you know, do you need to change your diet? What diet's best? How much extra thinking training do you have to do? Um, and are those even the right components? So, you know, we've got, we've got new research that's being done now on transcranial magnetic brain stimulation. So it's where you get a magnet and you stimulate parts of the brain, like the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex that's behind our executive functions. That's the front part of the brain. And trying to actually upregulate the activity in that brain area. And what, what they're showing with those very early studies is that people who've already got some form of cognitive decline, they're actually, um, you're actually ameliorating that. And the Changes don't just last in the short term, they seem to be looking like they're lasting the, over the long term. So if you stimulate people for three months, you're still seeing changes six months, 12 months, two years later, which is really promising. But the holy grail of this type of research is called a far transfer. So it's where those changes don't just improve that person's ability to perform on whatever computer task that they're being tested on as the outcome measure for that trial. They're actually seeing this generalised improvement in their everyday activities. That is the holy grail. If we can give somebody this very specific intervention, but they improve overall in terms of their independence and their functioning, their ability to you know, live independently, pay their bills, you know, go and do their own shopping and stay, stay a functioning member of the community, that's the, that's the 100% goal. So the takeaway message from my conversation with Genevieve was that although our cognition suffers as we age, not everything goes downhill. Fluid intelligence is what suffers, whereas crystallized intelligence actually we maintain until we're very old. Whether you're young or old, there are some things you can do to help combat dementia. Firstly, by staying socially connected. Loneliness has been dubbed as one of the, you know, the new biggest risk factors, like the new obesity for, for many different chronic diseases with age. So staying socially connected and, and not isolated and not being lonely is very important. Yeah, and because he recently just lost his wife. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's another thing. He has a lot of time on his own thinking about things. So yeah. That's Keith talking about his dad again. Yeah, I suppose you've got that impact of, um, you know, that, that depressiveness, that, that you get the depression you go to and the sadness you go to probably impacts yeah. things too. Yeah. It'd be interesting to say if there's any research on that, if that impacts people's memory as you get older. 
Secondly, keep your meat vehicle healthy. So that means staying fit, not having a high blood pressure, not becoming obese, and having a strong, healthy heart. Thirdly, stay mentally active. The more you use your brain, the healthier it remains. So learn something new every day, a new skill, pick up a new language or even a new instrument, like Alex's dad. Yeah, and the reason why we wanted to get you on is because we knew that you'd just recently taken up drums and one of the, like we've been talking to some people and one of the things they say is taking up a new skill can really like help you help you deal with like cognitive decline in older years? Uh, well, it probably is a part of the reason. It wasn't the initial reason. I know when I retired, I thought I really should try and do something that keeps the brain active. I didn't really have a particular thing that I would do, but I thought I should do something. But then, uh, yeah, my son and daughter <laughs> bought me an electronic drum kit because I think my son particularly knew that I was a bit of a frustrated drummer. And whilst I don't really, or never thought I have a musical bone in my body, I always love music. And I think he knew I was a frustrated drummer, so uh, they bought me this little electronic drum kit for my 60th birthday. Blabcoats was created by Alex Ray and me, Hamid Siddiqui. Special thanks to Dr. Genevieve Steiner and Keith Ray. Our social media manager is Rue Martin. Our graphics designer is Michael Horgan. Hosts are Marina Khan, Inkwa Yu, Alex Ray, and Hamid Siddiqui. If you'd like to support us, please leave a review on iTunes and share this episode with a friend. Also check out our website, labcoats.com. That's B-L-A-B-C-O-A-T-S.com. And like us on Facebook and Twitter. 